I'm just going to read from a journal entry dated the 11th of August, 7.30ish a.m. Slept pretty soundly last night. Woke this morning to the dawn chorus of the jungle. It was quite a sound. There's so many animals communicating with each other. Howard gathered us round and explained about each of the plants we will be imbibing. As much as I found it really interesting, four hours of sitting down and listening was approaching my limit. It was made worse by my hunger. Getting fed only three times a day means I have to gorge to ensure I have enough energy to last. I've been having very vivid dreams lately for a couple of weeks. This isn't normal for me and again I'm wondering if this is the, the medicine starting to work preparing me for tonight. I'm slightly terrified about what tonight may bring. Will I be confronted with my darkness? Or will ayahuasca sense my longing to become the best human I can? Only time will tell. Despite my fear, I'm going into tonight with an open mind and dismissing my expectations. After all, who am I to think I know what this ancient technology has planned for me? Again, only time will tell. The wildlife here is amazing. While sitting on the stairs at the edge of the compound in the jungle, I've seen ants longer than my fingernail, iridescent green flies and electric blue butterflies the size of my hand, and I can hear so much more. So this entry describes my first morning in the sanctuary and it kind of sets the trend for the rest of uh, the rest of my time there in this obviously you're in the Amazon jungle and there's just so much life every niche is filled it's uh, this became a continuing trend where I would just sit and notice all the wildlife and realize how disconnected we are from it in the in the towns and cities in the western world uh, it also touches upon how there was a lot of sitting down and, and talking which for me is <laughs> was quite foreign and I don't know if it's a product of training or um, maybe it's just part of who I am in the any more than maybe an hour sitting down uh, my body's just not used to it and I start I start getting a bit twitchy um, and this also was combined with the, the trend of being hungry a lot which I later found out or later realised is, is again all part of the process all part of the, the resetting the baseline both physically and mentally the dreams like I said in the journal was unusual for me to actually have dreams that I remembered and for them to be as vivid as what they were was an indication of as to how things were, were starting to change I guess and where I mentioned I'm slightly terrified about what the first ayahuasca ceremony will bring and if I'll be confronted with my darkness I guess this again shows the state of mind I was in or the, the lens through which I viewed life and myself and that I viewed myself as maybe as a bad person um, because of my previous actions, my past actions where I'd, I'd hurt people. 
and it also leads to my view of wanting to leave that behind and become who I believe or who I believed at the time I was capable of becoming. The final part of the journal entry is again on the wildlife and it's, it's one of the, the things I really found pro profound about being in the jungle, how all the species interact and each serves a purpose, generally for the greater good of the forest. And one of the things that drove this home was I became fascinated by ants whilst I was there, uh, both times actually, because the ants have no concept of, of, of I am. Everything they do is for the benefit of the, the colony as a whole, which if you look at humans as a, a super organism, then I think we could learn a lot from, from ants. The last part of the entry is where I mentioned the electric blue butterflies the size of my hand was the inspiration for a tattoo actually um, I put two of the butterflies on my forearm just to remind me of the the beauty and the tranquility of the jungle. Later that day we had a short walk to the ayahuasca kitchen which is obviously where they, they make the ayahuasca where they brew it in <laughs> pretty much a cauldron. Uh, the kitchen is a concrete base set in the jungle. It's got a wooden framed roof. The roof's made from leaves from nearby trees. I've pasted this section in because it was suggested that I explain in a little bit more detail about what's actually contained in the, the ayahuasca brew. Ayahuasca is a vine that's native to uh, South America. It looks a bit like twisted rope. You can actually see it literally growing around the sanctuary. If you have a look at some of the photos, it's the vine that's, that's grown around some of the banisters and some of the walkways. The term ayahuasca can be translated as vine of the souls or vine of the dead, I believe. The vine is combined with another plant called chacruna, I think that's how you pronounce it, which when boiled together, they produce a mixture of dimethyltryptamine, which is the psychoactive part, and a monamine oxidase inhibitor, which makes the DMT orally active. As I understand it, DMT is contained in a lot of plants, but animals have an enzyme that breaks it down before it becomes psychoactive, which is probably a good idea in, uh, in evolutionary terms, as it would be a way different world if every plant-consuming animal uh, was tripping balls after each meal. As well as the ayahuasca and the chacruna, into our brew was added uh, the mapacha, which is the, the locally grown tobacco, and bobinzana. The mapacha and the bobinzana you can literally see growing around, around the sanctuary, and these subtly alter the effects of the brew. 
Tobacco is actually uh, used in a medicinal sense um, by shamans. It's not the the stuff they put in the cigarettes in the Western world. It's it's very um, natural. There's no added chemicals. Bobinsana is a flower, and it's described as a heart-opening plant, which we later drank by itself, and I understand why they call it the heart-opening plant. Whilst we were sat as a group watching Don Robert brew the ayahuasca, Don Howard was giving us a little talk about intentions and describing the, the brewing process, which I think takes in total about 36 hours. We were all given a, a large hand-rolled cigarette, which contains only tobacco. I later found out it's called a mapacha, and it's smoked like a cigar in this. You're not supposed to take the, the smoke into the lungs, although this did happen a few times. Uh, and it's it was just like a super strong cigarette. We were sat smoking the mapacha whilst Don Howard briefly described the, the brewing process and the, what each plant does. Um, and the, the mapacha itself is used in the ayahuasca ceremonies to cleanse the air, purify the, the physical space. Again, this is all this is all part of the, the whole therapeutic environment in which the, the sanctuary creates. And whilst I was sat, I realised that smoking the, the mapacha made me really calm. It cleared my mind and I felt totally in the moment. There was no anxiety, no concern. I was just in the moment, which I've later discovered is is why tobacco is used in the ceremonial environment and whilst we were sat there was a dude and a woman arrived late the dude called christian has got ms so he was really struggling through the jungle it took him a bit longer than it did us and obviously the, the woman had had stopped to help him which made me feel a little bad because i hadn't given any thought to him even though he asked me to help him up the, the steps on our first arrival when we got off the boat, uh, the staircase from the jetty onto the, the wooden walkway was, it was unevenly cut into the, the riverbank. Some of the steps were maybe six inches, others were 18. So it was quite a staircase for someone with MS to navigate. Uh, and when he got off the boat, he immediately grabbed my arm and asked me to, to help him up the staircase because he said I looked strong. Now at the time, I just dismissed this. I didn't give any more thought to it. Uh, but looking back, I realized that I never actually thought of myself as being strong. And it's just curious for me to, to look back and realize that somebody I'd only met an hour beforehand, hadn't spoke to, uh, that was how he judged me. Once Don Howard had finished talking, we were sat in silence for a couple of minutes, smoking the mapacha, just 
gathering our thoughts and um, taking in the the vibe of the jungle, I guess, for want of a better term. We were all then invited up one by one to set our intentions, uh, blow some smoke into the ayahuasca brew so that we felt connected, felt part of it. And prior to blowing the smoke into the brew, we had to blow smoke, I think it was to the sky, to the wind and to the earth, basically paying homage to the environment in which we live, I think. I was sat at the back of the group, so I think I was one of the last ones to go up to bless the brew. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, the, the mapacha smoke isn't meant to be taken into the lungs. So whilst everyone's sat in silence, um, it's a very, it, it feels a very serious and um, solemn ambience. I step up, I blow the smoke to uh, the sky, the earth and the wind. I take another inhalation of the, the mapacha, which I accidentally take into my lungs. So I'm trying my hardest not to, to ruin the vibe and burst into a coffin fit whilst I, I blow my intention uh, into the ayahuasca brew, uh, which looking back, I was very self-conscious about upsetting the vibe. I didn't want to be that dude who, uh, <laughs> who broke the ambience. But I think everyone would have just found it funny at the time. You know, it's uh, as much as the vibe was all was all solemn. We are humans after all, and humans like to laugh. Looking back at the the event at the ayahuasca kitchen, I realise it's it's all part of the, the group therapy. It gets us involved in the making of the ayahuasca brew so that we feel it's we're already connected to it, so there's less chance of us maybe feeling anxiety when we, we come to to drink the brew. Once we'd all blessed the brew, we then made our way back to the main area. We all went off and did our own separate things. I had a, an explore and managed to find uh, the hammock tower, where, which was where I spent most of my days after that. I was either reading or initially I was listening to music. But then after a couple of times in the, in the hammock tower, I realised that having headphones on was uh, was disconnecting me from the jungle, which it just didn't feel right. So after that, there was times when I'd just be laid, listening to the jungle, watching the birds, butterflies, lizards, just basically enjoying the environment in which I was in. This enjoying the environment in which I am, I've managed to bring back home with me in the previously, before I went to Peru, I used to get angry at people making loud noises like the neighbours, um, although I still don't agree with them shouting at the kids, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, the traffic, the trains going past, because I live 
in the centre of Darlington, so it's it's quite noisy. And I used to yearn for the for the peace and the quiet. But since coming back from Peru, I've realised that I have to enjoy the environment in which I live, otherwise I'll just be unhappy. So I've now come to appreciate the uh, the sounds of the urban jungle, as I now call them. I listened to a podcast recently where the dude was saying when he hears the sounds of cars passing, he imagines waves crashing on a beach, which I found really helps. Anyway, so I'm sat in the hammock tower thinking about the, the ayahuasca ceremony that's going to happen later that night, which I, I still felt very apprehensive about. Um, I have no idea as to as to what it entails and how how rough a ride it could be. Later that afternoon, we all met up again for a a pre-ceremony briefing from Don Howard. During which I've wrote in my journal, I had a really deep sense of calm similar to the feeling after smoking the mapacha. I feel really hungry now though. I'm unsure if going into the ceremony hungry is a good idea. Time will tell, I guess. After the, the pre-ceremony briefing, we were all invited to go into uh, the ceremonial hut and prepare our space uh, for the ceremony. The ceremonial hut is it's a round structure. There's a an altar for for want of a better term, the ayahuasca altar, which is where the three shamans will sit. There's various objects on it. There's uh, there's human skulls, animal skulls. It's it's quite a bizarre sight. And each of us will sit in two concentric circles one inside the other and when we're called each of us will step up to the altar um, to drink however much ayahuasca Don Howard deems it appropriate for us to drink. We can either get some chairs, there's, there's a, there was wire-framed rocking chairs, there was like the plastic gam furniture chairs or some yoga mats and I opted for some yoga mats on the floor in the, the inner circle and the spot I chose um, <laughs> seems to be a common a common thread meant I was the second from last to drink the ayahuasca. After we'd prepared our space we then had a an hour or two before the ceremony where we were told to congregate uh, at 9.30 and before the ceremony I was I was starting to feel a lot calmer the closer we got the more calmer I became and I was instead of focusing on being being scared, being apprehensive I started focusing on how I'm moving forward as a human. 
which seemed to help massively. It was during this downtime we had before the ceremony when I heard someone mention the star deck, which got me really curious. It got me really excited to, to think I could look at the stars over the Amazon jungle. The next journal entry I have is the next day at 7am, the title of which is The Morning After the Night Before, which is where I describe the actual ayahuasca ceremony, which I will do in the next chapter.